to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Good to be back here this morning looking again at the book of Esther. Esther chapter 7, 8. Esther chapter 8 is where we're at this morning. Uh, last week, we uh, saw the fall of Haman. Uh, Haman was hung. He was took the place of Mordecai on the gallows. Uh, he was revealed as the uh, accuser, the one that was trying to destroy the Jews, <clears throat> and he was hung on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Unfortunately, though, that was only part of the battle. Uh, the Jews' enemy had been destroyed, but now uh, the works of that enemy need to be destroyed. So Esther chapter 8 is where we're going to start this morning. <clears throat> Esther chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman the Jews' enemy to the Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spake yet again before the king, and fell down at his feet, and besought him with tears, to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the king seem, and the thing seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman the son of Hamadetha the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which were in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? and Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen, and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh, you in the king's name and seal it with the king's ring for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month that is the month Sivan on the three and twentieth day thereof and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies and the rulers of the provinces which are from India unto Ethiopia, and hundred and twenty and seven provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries, wherein the king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves together, 
to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves of their enemies or on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan the palace. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor, and in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather and hear from your truth. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would open our eyes. Let us see and understand the world from your point of view. Lord, I pray that you would transport us back and that we may witness this time in history as we study it, as we listen to your truth from it. But Lord, that we would see today its ever-present truth. Lord, this was not just a time and place in history. This is a picture of what it is to live for you today. So God, please guide us and direct us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think one of the great failings of the church is that as we go out and witness, as we uh, try to see the world saved, we often, without understanding and knowing what we're doing, we give the impression that salvation is the end of all trial. We, we say things like, the day I got saved is, is the, the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And it's completely changed my life. And while that's true, many times for those listening, it gives an understanding of not complete truth. I know for me, as I was being witness to back in 2007, as I was sitting at Pastor Pierce's kitchen table and and listening to him take me through the Romans roads and, and telling me the way that God loved me and telling me what God had done in his life. That I went home after being, getting saved that night with a great weight lifted off of my shoulders. But also with a very small understanding of what had actually happened. And I think often... I, I thank the Lord that the church that I got saved in was a discipling church, was a church that teaches and, and prepares us. And I thank the Lord that I got into a church. But so often, 
when we go out in the community and we witness and, and we see someone saved when we're out door knocking or we're out at the park or we're out doing whatever we're doing, so often they don't actually end up in church. And I think as we go through, I know for me, I felt like everything was going to be different. Like, like I would never have to worry again. I would never have to struggle again. And unfortunately, that couldn't be farther from the truth. There is still much work to be done here with the Jews. The, the threat of Haman is over. The, the accuser has been defeated. But there is still much work for God's people that has to be done. Laws have already been put into place and wheels have been put into motion and the Jews are still in peril. No matter what had been done to Haman, there were still those who would rise up against the Jews at the appointed time and attempt to carry out these edicts and dictates that had been put out by Haman. For us, we know and understand that our accuser, Satan himself, is already defeated. God has already defeated sin and death. No longer are we under that penalty of sin, but we still have to walk this world and this world is still full of sin. The only thing that Mordecai and Esther could do at this point to change what was about to happen is to make new laws. To make out new decrees and edicts in the name of the king. They couldn't change what's already been done. They couldn't reverse they could only now give permission for the Jews to defend themselves. Notice, though, in verse number 7, the Bible says, and the, Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name and seal it with the king's ring for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. This wasn't in Esther the queen's name. This wasn't in Mordecai's name. This had to be in the king's name. This had to be, it had to have authority. If you're like me, you probably wonder why God would do this in this way. And, and this is a question that as we go out and we, we speak to the world and, and we, we try and witness and, and see thing, great things done for God, I, I've gotten this question many times from both saved people and from unsaved people. And the question is, why would a loving God allow this? 
Why would he allow his people to still be in danger? You see, God, being all-powerful, has allowed Haman to go through and make the decrees. He's allowed the laws to be passed that would cause the Jews to be destroyed. And now that Haman is out of the picture, he's still allowing things to progress. And it's something extremely hard for a lot of people to understand. Why would a God that claims to love his people so much, that has done so much for his people, allow them to be in this danger? Why would a God that we see in John 3.16 give his only begotten son to the world so that they could be saved still allow the war and the famine? Why is he right now allowing Israel to go through a time of war with Hamas where thousands have been killed? Why is he allowing the world to turn on Israel who had been defending themselves? Why is he allowing all of these things? Well, the answer is pretty simple. Could God have just snapped his fingers and made everything go away? Absolutely. He could have, in the very beginning, when he called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees, he could have just taken him home. We saw Elijah gets taken up in the whirlwind. We know that... Um, Enoch walked with God and was taken that he didn't suffer death. We know that God has that power. So why do we still have to go through these trials and troubles? Why is Israel here still fighting for their lives? Well, because it's supposed to be a picture for us. The part of the story that's left in the book of Esther is an example for us as believers. Many times, like I said, we get saved and, and if we're not involved in a church that teaches us and helps us to understand what's going on, we think that we get saved and everything's going to change and we'll never have any pain or hurt anymore. And then when that pain or hurt comes, because we haven't been grounded in the word of God and understood God's love and seen examples like this, we get bitter. And we get frustrated. There's a missionary that most of us would know that used to be supported by fellowship that um, had some very trying times happen in his life. Uh, I believe he had a daughter pass away and some other things, and then as he's on the field, his wife decided that she was just going to leave. She gave up. She got bitter. 
she didn't understand God's process of sanctification. Back in Exodus, when God took Israel out of Egypt, he took them into the wilderness not to get them out of Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years not to get them out of Egypt, but to get Egypt out of them. Understand that God took them directly to the promised land. They sent out the spies. We know the story. They sent out twelve. Ten were bad and two were good. Ten of the twelve came back and said, we can't do it. They didn't have faith in the God that had just delivered them out of Egypt. So God turned them back and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until all of those that had doubted God were dead. All of those who had desired to go back to Egypt, who had desired to go back to the bondage of sin and evil were gone. Including Moses. Now Moses didn't want to go back to Egypt. Moses really walked with God, but he sinned in one point. Moses wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones from that generation that saw the promised land for the first time that were allowed to enter in. So why the 40 years? Because they had to be prepared for what God was going to do. Right here, God is working and he is using Esther and Mordecai even though the Jews have not asked for it, they have not sought his face. He's not been mentioned in this whole book. God is using them to preserve his people. He's making a way for his people to survive. Excuse me. For us, the fact is that even though our sins have been paid for by Christ, and we've all been forgiven, and we have a home in heaven. And the Bible tells us that we've been separated from those sins as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103, 12. Psalm 103 and verse number 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. God has separated us so far from our sins. But that only refers to our state with God and not our actual physical state here on earth. So many of us walk for years and years struggling with sin and suffering after we get saved. The Jews in the kingdom were still very much in danger. But now they had the opportunity to defend themselves. 
they had an opportunity. And this is the part that we don't understand so often. Opportunities require action. They couldn't just sit back and relax. They had to prepare. They had to be ready to fight when the danger came. They had to defend themselves. And this is why it's so important for us when we see someone get saved to then come alongside them and work with them and disciple them and show them those opportunities. It's not enough to just understand the Romans' roads or to understand John 3.16. We also have to understand verses like James 4, verses 1 through 10. James 4, verse number 1. It says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust and have, sorry, ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Our First Corinthians. First Corinthians 10. First Corinthians 10 and verse number 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that flowed or that followed them and that rock was, was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Verse number 13. 
There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. We are required to take action. God has indeed paid for our sins and forgiven them. He's defeated them and given us a way to remove them from our lives. But he's left us here preparing us for that moment when we will see him face to face. Sin can't enter heaven. It has to be dealt with. The Jews still have to choose to defend themselves. They've been given everything they need. They have to choose. You see, this threat of death is a picture of sin in our lives. Haman, the accuser, is a picture of Satan. One who's already been beaten and destroyed. But just as we looked with Samson this morning, even though we've placed our faith and trust in Christ, we've separated ourselves unto God, we still have this mortal flesh that has to be purified. Those things in our lives that would keep us from serving the Lord, that would keep us from being that bold and effective witness that we need to be, they've already been taken care of. God has already created a way for us to avoid them. We have to take that way. This is why the Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. It always requires an action from us. Cleanse your hands. Cleanse your heart. God has prepared the way. Just take it. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. The Jews couldn't just take action on their own. They had to be given permission by the, Lord, by the king. They had to have the authority of the king. But then they had to, in the name of the king, choose to use that authority. We've been given that authority.
There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. We have to choose to follow the way. We have to choose to follow the authority that God has given us. Just as Israel had to choose to fight on that appointed day, God is still working in us. He's left us here so that we can choose to follow Him. Others had a choice, though. And we'll look at that a little bit next week as we continue on. Those that would rise up to hurt the Jews had all the same information as the Jews. They'd seen the new laws that were presented from the king. God left Israel here in the book of Esther not only to purify them but also to show the world who he was. We walk this earth not only to purify us, to sanctify us but to show the world who God is. The only way we can do that completely is to choose to follow him.